0: Welcome to Frictionless Marketing, an exploration of how modern marketers are building their brands, reaching their audiences, and thriving in this post-advertising world. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Laura Lane, Executive Vice President and Chief Corporate Affairs and Sustainability Officer at UPS. Laura is a highly accomplished leader with a storied career that has spanned both the public and private sectors. She's served in roles at Citigroup, Time Warner, and the US Foreign Service, where she played a critical part in trade negotiations and humanitarian relief efforts. In this interview, we delve into UPS's humanitarian relief work in Turkey, the balancing act between always-on earned marketing and being a good community partner, as well as the unique responsibilities of her role at UPS, which has global implications. We also discuss the keys to aligning your passion with your career and the power of working with purpose. Overall, Laura has a truly incredible story to share, as evidenced by her captivating TED Talk, where she recounts her experiences as a foreign affairs officer in Rwanda rescuing Americans during the genocide and the lessons that she took away from that experience. We highly recommend watching her TED Talk titled, When You Shouldn't Follow the Rules, which will be available in the show notes. It features a firsthand account of the importance of advocating for positive change. So without further ado, here is Laura Lane. Hello and welcome back to frictionless marketing. This
1: is Paul Dyer, CEO of Lippy Taylor. Lippy Taylor is a digital communications agency that was named the most outsized, outstanding, not most outsized, most outstanding mid-sized PR firm by PR Week. In 2021 and 2022, we specialize in helping brands revitalize their relevance with our frictionless approach to earning brand growth. Laura, with that, let's talk about you. And I don't know how you're going to manage to encapsulate such a brilliant um, and inspiring career in like 90 seconds, but like, can you give people who are listening just a quick overview of how you got to where you are today?
2: Yeah, my career has been a really interesting one, but it's the common thread through all of it is has been how do you make a difference in the world and use the opportunities that you have in whatever role you're playing to deliver on that why about how to you know lift others up and um, move the world forward. And so I started out as a diplomat in the Foreign Service and had amazing uh, tours of duty first in. High threat posts at the time of Bogota, Colombia, moving on to Kigali, Rwanda during the genocide, which, by the way, was mind blowing and eye opening in terms of how, um, you know, you really do have to be very thoughtful about how to make a difference in the world, particularly when faced with some of the challenges I saw in Bogota and Kigali, but then moved on to the U.S. Trade Representative's office and got the opportunity to be part of trade negotiating teams, whose sole purpose was figuring out how to open up opportunities for others um, and using trade as a basis for peace and prosperity. Then continuing on to the private sector from Time Warner to Citigroup, and now I think the most rewarding role I've ever ever had in my entire career here at UPS um, as the company's chief corporate affairs and sustainability officer. But the thread through all of it has been using the opportunities that I've had in the different roles that I've played throughout my career to make a difference, be a champion for those that were serving, um, whether it be in government or in the private sector, and And what's now become the UPS purpose statement, moving our world forward by delivering what matters, that's been my rallying cry throughout.
1: And of course, you mean much more than delivering packages. And when we were talking earlier, you said delivering hope specifically. And you were referencing work you're doing that you personally are very involved with, um, you know, in helping with the efforts in Turkey, which, of course, just suffered a a massive humanitarian crisis in the earthquake there. Um, Can you share a little bit about that work?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, everybody knows UPS, we deliver packages, but it's what's in those packages that can make a difference at a time of natural disaster or crisis. And uh, UPS also plays a really significant role in terms of providing humanitarian relief. Because when you think about it, when disaster strikes, it's a question of logistics, of getting, you know, um, the, the uh, medical supplies, the blankets, the shelter, the generators, all the equipment that's needed to help provide aid and comfort to people that um, may be suffering. And in the case of Turkey, UPS immediately stepped up once the earthquake hit. We started moving material from locations outside of the impacted, Um, city centers and moving whatever was needed to the locations closest to the victims. We then engaged with the UN as part of uh, one of the four companies that's involved in the logistics emergency response teams to start coordinating with NGOs and governments so that we could amass critically needed supplies and move them to the locations where they were needed, um, uh, you know, most immediately. And we're now a part of not just doing these plane loads of materials and supplies and, um, you know, tents and blankets and medical equipment, but also now starting to stand up on um, efforts in partnership with the U.S. and Turkish government to deliver that hope. To helping those that have survived this earthquake figure out how they're going to get back to their normal lives, how those small and medium-sized businesses can get back into business again. And UPS is dedicating not just its volunteers, um, but its time and its expertise, but also workshops to helping a lot of these folks that have been impacted by the earthquake think through the next steps they need to take to stand up their businesses again. So that they can be, you know, focused on a more hopeful future rather than leave, reliving what happened to them as they survived the earthquake.
1: I mean, this is incredible and incredibly important work that obviously goes well beyond the the sort of typical definition of even corporate affairs, much less communications, et cetera. Um, you know, we talk a lot about this idea of earned marketing, and the idea of earned marketing is you need to do something worth talking about first, right? Do something to solve a problem. And then you can advertise about the fact that you have solved that problem. Now, that being said, I think it's pretty unlikely that we're going to see a TV commercial where UPS says, we went into Turkey and helped you know stand communities back up, right? So how do you think about what balancing that? Where's the line between like, your employees need to know about this. You got to have pride in what you're doing as a company. You got to do the right thing. Some people should know you did the right thing, but of course you don't want to be overly promotional in the face of such a disaster. How do you think about that?
2: You know, I... I actually think that actions always speak louder than words. And, um, you know, it's part of our DNA, I think, as UPSers that when we need to, need to deliver help or hope, UPSers just are always there. We were there during the pandemic. You saw it with our people who continued to deliver when, you know, countries were on lockdown and in quarantines, because that's just who we are and what we do as a company. And um, and we. um I often think we, we don't need to think about advertising it because as we're doing it, we're telling that story about who we are. And um, and and I think it would uh, take away from uh, that, that narrative if we did use it to advertise because we don't do it for the publicity. Um, UPS, by its very nature, is a very humble company. We just do the right thing and we make sure we're delivering what matters when it matters most. And um, and those stories are enough for us because if we uh, move the hearts and minds of our people to be part of making the world a better place, we know they're gonna touch someone else in the communities that we're serving and that creates that beautiful ripple effect that spreads that storytelling of good and that's good enough for us. Um, and. And what we do try to do, though, is tell the stories of the partnerships about the power of logistics and how logistics can make a difference in the world, be it in addressing food insecurity, be it in addressing a pandemic, be it in addressing how to create more economic opportunities for those in marginalized communities. There, we want to lean into telling those stories and helping people understand how when you have the right partners by by your side, you can be unstoppable. And we want to tell those stories for our our customers. So if we're going to lean in, it isn't necessarily about UPS and look at what we're doing, but it's about UPS being a partner and shining a light on the amazing things that our customers and the partners that we partner with in our communities in terms of NGOs and community responses, look at what they're doing when they're armed with the right Kinds of um, you know relationships that they have with a company like UPS.
1: So I have to ask, what what is this work called? I mean, is this this isn't uh, sustainability or ESG or CSR or any other acronym? Like, yeah, just, you know what is this? What is this?
2: This is called good business, right? If you do right by your people, you do right by the communities that you're serving. You're lifting people up um on an individual and a community wide basis you're creating stronger communities and last time i checked strong vibrant communities are great for business and so that's just called you know doing good business in the world um by being a good partner in the communities that you're serving
1: so i i mean i couldn't agree with you more of course and i'm sure most people listening um are in the same boat um I have to say though, we are in a situation where a couple of years ago, a lot of companies made a lot of promises. They're starting to get the calls for receipts. They're not necessarily all standing up to those expectations that they had themselves set. Um, you know, Wanting to think the best of them. It's like, what would you do if you were in their shoes? It's already like totally throw this at you, you know? No, like, no. But like, if you're in their shoes and you realize oh, we're behind on what we said we were gonna do, like. Where do you go from there? Do you reset expectations? Do you wrangle the troops? Like, how do you
2: fix this? So I, I, um, I, in serving as UPS's chief sustainability officer, I, I completely understand how we need to be doing more and we're not doing enough. When I think about UPS, I mean, we are um, a part of one of the hardest to um, decarbonize industry sectors in the world. We have a huge responsibility. So to a certain extent, we've got to be doing everything that we're doing right now and then some to be able to hit our overarching target of being carbon neutral by 2050. But in taking on this role um, and and recognizing there's so much more that we need to do, What I've done in this role is say, okay, first of all, let's understand the scope of the problem. Let's measure what our impact is. Let's start with integrity, mapping out the plans on how we um, take consequential, intentional steps to lower our carbon emissions, and how do we create bases of support within our organization, as well as with. Uh, outside our organization so that we can accelerate the pace of change that we need to be um, affecting in order to hit these ambitious sustainability goals. And so for anybody that's similarly situated thinking about how we've got uh, all these ambitious targets, how do we hit them in a timely way? I say measure it, um, create the alliances both internally and externally for um, how you're going to create the roadmaps to uh, close some of the gaps that, that you have in terms of, in this case, carbon emissions, and then just start executing um, and leveraging those partnerships to uh, achieve the goals. I, I think that's how you have to do it. You have to be honest about the problem. You have to be honest about the scope of the issue. And then you have to, you know, with intentionality, systematically and purposefully start knocking, uh, you know, out some of the challenges that are in the way and ensuring that the resources and the policy support is there to be able to ensure you can deliver on the goals that you've made.
1: And now you in the beginning there, you started mentioning your role and of course, your role is, is quite special. It really, you're able to integrate many different um, teams. And even in that role, you're talking about forming alliances with others. And but to be able to create the kind of impact you're talking about, it's not just about you know communicating, right? It is, of course, about marshalling those resources, as, as you've said. Can you talk a little bit more about the uniqueness of the role and maybe, you know, like why that gives you an advantage or may, maybe it's a disadvantage in some ways to accomplishing these things?
2: Yeah, I think I'm really one of the lucky few that sits on a leadership team in corporate America um, in this very special role of serving as UPS's chief corporate affairs and sustainability officer, because I have um, under my area of responsibility, a number of different teams that in other companies are quite siloed. I have government affairs. I have policy and thought leadership. I have community relations, the foundation, communications, both internal communications and external communications, as well as serving as the company's chief sustainability officer. And sometimes people say, wow, that's a lot of responsibility, Um, except what I see it as a lot of opportunity to integrate all of the um, capabilities that all of these different teams have and harness them behind a singular mission and purpose. And um for us at ups, it's, you know, our rallying cry is moving our world forward by delivering what matters. but that applies to everything that we do. when we, When we truly are going to be successful, it's when we can harness the power of public-private partnerships to deliver on long-term goals. And we can do that when we can advocate with governments for the kind of policy and regulatory environment that we need to be able to succeed. When we can tell the stories of how our mission and purpose are, are possible with the kind of partnerships that we're advocating for. When we can show up in communities with those grant dollars and those volunteer initiatives to say we're not just talking about making change, we're showing up here with you, making that change in communities, you know, as we volunteer or engage with the non-governmental organizations and When you're able to bring all of those capabilities together um, behind that singular mission and purpose, I think you're really unstoppable. I think having all of these functions under one umbrella really gives us superpowers that no other company can marshal um, in the same way because we're all in it together trying to advance the same goal, the same purpose.
1: And you've used that that word, the big P word, quite a few times here. In, in and in a previous interview, you were quoted as saying that you've worn many hats over the years. But regardless of the role or job title, purpose fuels your actions. And I always, I think that's one very special and aspirational. I also though put myself in the shoes of younger people in our industry. Oftentimes, come in with a similar sort of um, aspiration you know, of uh, things like I want to pursue my passions, I am passionate about making the world a better place, those kinds of things. And then they sit down and of course, a lot of the times the work is just work, you know, and it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm, you know, achieving my passions every day. How do you think about like, you know, bigger picture purpose versus like, you got to kind of do the work, you know, and this difference between aligning your passions with your career versus a purposeful career.
2: Right, so you know what? I have never worked a day in my life. Um, uh, in reality, uh, throughout my career, and and I I've shared that because every day I've shown up and said, okay, what are the opportunities I have, um, you know, in front of me today where I can make a difference in the life of a single other person, or I can leverage the role that I'm in to create alliances and partnerships that get behind making a difference in a small or a big way depending on what the role is. I think a lot of people need to come to work every day with that kind of perspective because it allows them then to see everything that they do through that lens. If you come to work with your why, then you understand everything that you're doing as a learning opportunity uh, for um, how to create something bigger than just the small role that you may be playing at that point in time. Um, So I really try to tell folks everything that you do every day in your life, you know, in a work environment, try to see what lesson you can learn and how that tool can be applied to achieving something bigger, maybe outside of your work day in the community through volunteering or in your workday by finding other like-minded employees that uh, maybe share your same passion and creating um, initiatives within your organization so that um, your passion becomes a bigger passion within an organization. We have awesome business resource groups within UPS that do just that. It, we have affinity groups that come together, whether it's through the Pride Alliance or the Women in Operations group or, um, the Asian American BRG that says we're really passionate about showing up in our communities and showing, you know, what UPS can do, um, to make a difference in those communities. And those business resource groups are an example of how UPSers have come together and taken their passion and made it bigger than themselves by creating those alliances within our organizations and then going into communities and showing what that looks like and coming up with projects and initiatives that get our companies backing to support what makes them um you know sing so to speak uh in in the work in their communities and also helps them reach out uh to customer bases that are in these um in these different communities and showing them that there are partnerships possible with ups because we share the same passions backgrounds perspectives you know that um that allow us to be even better partners in those communities. So.
1: That's great. And so I, you, you sparked something for me. It's gonna take us in a different direction. I'm gonna open a new door here, but this goes back in your, your background and your, your history. One of the most incredible stories when you were working in Kigali, Rwanda, you negotiated safe passage with a rebel government for American soldiers when at the start of the Rwandan civil war. Uh, and you were on the ground there, and were yourself directly in harm's way, and so this is the the background. And to share it to our our listeners who probably may, maybe haven't seen your TED talk, if they haven't, really, I recommend everybody go watch the TED talk. Um, but what's interesting to me is that um, the title of your TED talk is "When You Should Not Follow the Rules." A lot of our conversation today has been talking about the power of logistics, which is of course very rules based, as rules based as it gets, right? And yet your TED Talk is about when you should not follow the rules. So can you just shed some light for us here on on when you should not follow the rules uh, in a very rules-based context?
2: You know, it's so funny because throughout my career after that, I've gotten a real reputation as a rule breaker. But I consider myself to be someone who is a rule maker. If the rules aren't working and they need to be improved on, be the champion for changing those rules so they uh, serve the purpose of lifting others up and helping, you know, um, address challenges that may exist in communities or in the world. And so, um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm I not someone who has ever thought that I or um, I, like our organization should ever be above the law. I think there is. Um, it is so critically important that we have rule of law in the world, um, because without rule of law, you don't have the opportunity to advance peace or prosperity. Right. So um, systems of rules are critically important. But I also think you always need to be looking for how to do things better. Um, UPS as a company is a company that is all about innovation, about finding new ways to deliver better, faster, more efficiently. And so in many ways, we're constantly challenging the existing rules that are in place to say, how could we do it better if we changed you know, uh, a law or regulation here or there to better serve our customers. Um, so it's not necessarily that you're trying to break the rules um, for n- no good reason. It's about changing the rules to make them serve the communities, the people, and the customers that you're serving. Uh, and um, I think that's the important difference. Uh, it, in terms of thinking about it. I also think sometimes you do need to challenge the status quo when the regret is going to be so great that you won't be able to live with yourself for not having you know, stood up and said something. And that's maybe, for me, the story of Rwanda. When there was so much at stake, when lives of innocent people were at stake, um, and it meant, uh, you know, pushing on the, the existing rules in order to save lives and make a bigger difference. Sometimes you have to um, listen to your heart in those moments and say when, you know, the regret is going to be too great. You do have to stand and not be silent and push for the change uh, that you think needs to be made Um always with that higher purpose in mind of making sure that in challenging those rules, your your motives and reasons are for um, delivering good, helping others, lifting others up, um, and in, in many ways, making the world a better place.
1: And of course, not many of us will be in the situation where we can negotiate with rebel forces to save lives. Uh, but I think that those takeaways, you know, in terms of how to think about it and in, in, you know, sort of our own daily lives are very um important. And I'm also curious about your global experience in a very global company, Bogota, Rwanda, plus of course, all of your time, I mean, State Department, et cetera. Um, you know, and now here you are in a US-based company with a very global footprint though. Um some of these problems feel so big, you know, like I think about, um, you know, advancing women's issues as one that, you know, we're as an agency very passionate about. UPS has a very strong program around women exporters that maybe you could talk a little bit about. But if you think about this, you step back, you see a global program through a lens like yours where you've seen so much. It's like,
2: how do you figure out where to start? Yeah. You know, um, UPS operates in 220 countries and territories so you see all levels of opportunity and challenges in all of the different countries that we serve from some of the the uh, countries that are least developed um to some of the most sophisticated uh and um, there's opportunities all at every level in, in, in every country. You know how we approach it? We do it one person at a time. We do it one customer at a time. We do it, um, you know, one step at a time, and uh, I, I think if you try to, you know, see the, the whole world of problems through that singular lens, then it doesn't seem so overwhelming, and that's kind of how we've approached our women's exporter programs um, that we've launched uh, around the world. Um, we said, let's just help one woman uh, be able to take uh, her small business and take it global, and then start building on that. And um, you know, soon we found we've been we've been training over a hundred thousand women. Um, and we're gonna keep going because we recognize that um, half of the world's population actually hasn't been given the opportunity to engage in the global economy on a level playing field um, in uh, in too many markets around the world. And UPS has a great voice um, and uh, great resources that we can bring to bear to level that playing field, particularly for women-owned uh, businesses. Because from a certain perspective, we recognize that women thrive when when women thrive, humanity thrives Um, and you invest in a woman, you're investing in a family, you're investing in that family and it's investing in that community. And the ripple effects are very powerful to suddenly change the character of uh, of countries and nations. Um, Just by those simple efforts of working with a handful of women exporters who then become powerful, you know, champions for economic change uh, in communities and then have those larger ripple effects. So that's kind of how UPS approaches it. We take it one customer, one woman, one exporter at a time and figure out how to help them, uh, you know, become global and um, how and, and how they engage in the world.
1: And by going one at a time you've impacted a hundred thousand women that's amazing um we if we transfer that back home now right we bring it home and we say one woman at a time and one of the things that we hear a lot is people asking about mentorship and um one of the sort of pieces of advice that's often offered is well you need to find your champion you know mentors will give you advice you're going to find your champion and then people say, well, right, but like, I don't know, like there's there's no like online marketplace for champions. Like, I don't, you know, like can't just make that happen. Um, what I've heard from you consistently today seems to be a theme of finding the small takeaways, learning from each sort of daily opportunity or interaction. But I am curious, have you experienced having the champion being the champion? Um, or is it really about, you know, you're touching so many people and just making sure you're taking something away from every interaction.
2: You know, throughout my career, um, I uh, I credit a lot of the opportunities that I was given to uh, several amazing he for she men uh, that have been part of my career who believed in me when I kind of thought maybe I can't do that. Um, and they would give me the courage and the confidence to say, yes, you can. Um, and so I have had a lot of champions throughout my career. And interestingly, mostly men who, um, who have, uh, said, um, we want to give you an opportunity to, um, try something new and, um, part of, um, being able to, uh, get those opportunities was the spirit in which um, I always uh, approached everything, which was raising my hand and saying, I I may not know everything, but I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to try. I may not have always had the confidence that I could deliver the results, but I had, you know, these great he for she champions by my side saying, you got this girl, go, go run with it. And now I've had this awesome opportunity now at, you know, at the role and the level that I play in the UPS organization to really play that same kind of role for others, for the incredible men and women throughout our organization who just need someone to see them, see the talent that they have, and um, give them the opportunities to realize their potential. Because I think one of the greatest things Um, That a leader can do is not create more followers, but create more leaders by your side who are realizing their potential and seeing something in themselves and helping them develop it so that you have a stronger organization um, that results from it because you've developed more leaders right by your side. Someone poured that kind of intentionality into me. I'm trying to pour that back into others because I think that is the strength of an organization when you have leaders that are creating, you know, other leaders um, to, you know, be behind a mission and a purpose and delivering incredible results together. Well, I have to
1: say, I don't know if, if you're struggling, you know, as many companies that are right now with hiring, but if you are just send any candidates i think that last couple of minutes of hearing you talk and i think they're going to want to come and work in your organization um and and one thing that stood out to me you know there is there is this sort of trope of um, companies valuing confidence over competence right and that it disproportionately benefits men and works against women in many cases and so hearing you say somebody who's literally saved lives in a genocide literally is one of the top jobs in our industry and hearing you say I didn't know if I could do it but you raised your hand anyway you had the confidence right this idea that courage isn't not being afraid it's being afraid and doing it anyway exactly and and hearing you say that I think um hopefully that you know inspires some people to just go ahead and go for it and um, so with that, I mean, Laura, I just want to say thank you so much for your time and insights today.
0: We really appreciate it. It's been amazing.
2: I love talking with you. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: All right. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and colleagues on LinkedIn? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Lippie Taylor. That's L-I-P-P-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. And to learn more about us, visit us at LippieTaylor.com. Thank you for listening to Frictionless Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out Paul's best-selling book, Friction Fatigue, what the failure of advertising means for future focused brands. In Friction Fatigue, Paul explains to readers why advertising is broken and provides a frictionless marketing framework to help build your brand in an era where advertising is no longer the answer. You'll learn how to protect your business against competitors and lead the pack with fresh marketing strategies that will help you prepare for a future where the consumer rules. Friction Fatigue is now available on Amazon and as a book on tape on audible.com. Thanks again for listening.